sort of the whole impetus for this podcast in general was that if somebody has a question, other people will also have that question. Hello, I'm Allison Roman and welcome to Solicited Advice, the podcast where I get to do what I love most, give advice. Each week I'm joined by a very special guest and several very special advice seekers as we do our best to solve all of, or at least one of your problems. Since it's our first episode, I wanted to have on a guest who I go to advice for. That is, you know, pretty much everybody in my life. I love seeking it as much as I love giving it. But there's one person who I feel like I have on a sort of advice speed dial. And that is everybody's favorite, beloved home movies star, David Cho. David is a consultant. He's a creative. He is sort of paramount in us making and producing home movies. And frankly, he's one of my best friends. Okay, so let's get into it. Welcome to the show, David Cho. Thank you so much for having me, Roman. <laughs> it is it is my dream, obviously, to have you involved in every single thing that I do ever. So it feels very appropriate that you are here with us on the first episode of this podcast. Truly an honor. Well, thank you. The honor is is really mine. So David, I obviously come to you for advice all the time. And I like to think that I reciprocate. And I know and I know that I do. But there's got to be, is there like another person in your life that you are texting as often as I text you? I'm a, I'm a case-by-case sort of advice asker. So it's like, I think generally I like people way older than me. I agree. I think good advice that I got one time was from someone who was much older than I was. He was in his 60s at the time when he gave me the advice. And he was kind of like, when you look back at yourself 10 years before that moment, you're always like, oh man, I was such an idiot. So it's like, when you look back at when you're 20, you think your 10-year-old self was dumb. When you look back on when you're 30, you think your 20-year-old self is dumb. And he's like, I'm 65 and I see my 55-year-old self. And I'm like, oh, I'm so dumb. And I think there's something really freeing. Sounds like this guy needs to practice a little self-love. <laughs> well, I think it's more, it, I think he's being very, very gracious to himself where it's like, it's okay if you're not right all the time. And instead that you're just trying your hardest and you're always learning. And I take that sort of approach to it where it's like, I think older people just always give you good perspective of like, rarely does something matter as much as you think it does. And it's always like fixable and you can always adjust and you can always pivot and figure out how to make an okay or bad situation a little bit better. That's very like glass half full. That's funny that that's like one of your favorite pieces of advice because whenever you tell me that's something that I'm freaking out about, quote, doesn't matter as much as I think it does. Nothing. It's like telling someone to relax. Like, I want to murder you. I want to strangle you. Nothing irritates me more. <laughs> well, if someone kills me, authorities, <laughs> please refer back to this and know who did it because it's going to be the person who does this podcast. Wow. Then what are we doing on this podcast? <laughs> Everything matters. But also, like, you know, we're, we're fortunate that the things that we do have really high personal stakes, but low like life stakes. You know what I mean? And we can always fix things. You know, it's like the great game of baseball. Sometimes you're down two in a series and then you come back on a third winning off with a walk and everything can change in a minute. And I think that's something that both baseball and advice can teach us. Listener, I've known Allison Roman for, (laughs) I don't know, like I think genuinely 12 years and (laughs) And Sports Roman was not a... (laughs) Sports Roman, which is a version that started in the last six months is not something I saw coming. No. And honestly, <laughs> I hate it. She's really here and blossoming. I would give anything to get rid of it, honestly. It, in fact, if you have advice for me on how I could not care <laughs> about sports. Yeah, just don't. 
Well, because the other day I texted you and I said, becoming a sports fan is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And that wasn't, I wasn't looking for advice. I was, it was just sort of a declarative <laughs> statement, but I was, I think, I think oftentimes when I'm asking you for advice, I do couch it in a statement of just like, well, everything's falling apart. And that's my way of saying, help me, what should I do? So in saying that becoming a baseball fan is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, I'm looking for you to say, listen, the Mets can still come back. There's a lot of baseball left in the season. We got some trades to make. Uh, all is not lost. Look at the Philadelphia whatever's several years ago. You're confusing them with AM talk radio. <laughs> <laughs> like you wanted me to give you actual practical steps on, steps on the Mets getting better where all I was providing was the yeah. context and perspective that it's okay. That's there's right. another. There's always another season. And that's like real metaphor for life is setting yourself up for disappointment. Uh, anyway, but I, it was funny you bring up AM radio because I do feel like this whole thing has really been heavily, this whole thing being this podcast has been heavily inspired by both AM and FM radio. We're like, I remember driving- Your car talk pilled for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember like driving in my grandpa's car with him and he'd pick me up from school and it would just be like AM radio blasting. And I'm like, these people are just talking and they don't, they're just going and going and going and who knows what the fuck they're talking about. And does anyone care? Does anyone listen? Is anyone editing this? Like- and that's how I sort of felt when I was listening to like modern day podcasts with like mostly men where I was just like, people just talk and talk and talk and people listen to this, but it's almost like white noise. And I was like, you know what? I can be white noise, but I want to be white noise with a purpose. <laughs> you know what? A, I think this is the rare case where I'm going to tell you to aspire to be bigger. I don't oh, think you should aspire some, to be you know? white noise. But B, I think we'll get it there. I think you're good. I think I'm excited for the advice to come. I am I'm too. excited to hear about the advice. And uh, no, I think it'll be really fun. I'm feeling like now that I'm at the time of publication, this I will be 38 years old. And that feels close enough to 40 to say that I have lived enough to give advice. And you know me, I feel like I very much fall into the category of like, I don't know enough to do this thing or I'm not experienced enough to do this thing. I'm very rarely of the attitude of like, I can do anything for better, for worse. I, I think I could probably use a little bit more of I can do anything, but like- You know, honestly, I think it's both. Yeah. I, I feel like you, inside you- Inside it, me, you're two wolves. <laughs> yeah, inside you are two wolves. If we learn anything from uh, from therapy, it's that two contradictory opinions can both exist in the same space, which is also great advice I've gotten. We share a therapist. Her name is- Honestly, you, you asked, I just realized who I go to the most for, for advice and it's my therapist. Yeah, it's fully- She's the person who gives me the best advice. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because I remember when I was first approached to do my first cookbook, I was 29, 30. And I had like worked in food for a million years. I had worked in magazines. I had worked in restaurants. And my editor was like, have you ever thought about doing a cookbook? And I was like, oh, I'm not qualified to do a cookbook yet. Like, oh, I'll do a cookbook. But in like five to 10 years. Which is funny because you'd already written another cookbook. <laughs> well, it was a small, it was a zine. But I was sort of just like, oh, who am I to do that thing? Like I have so much life to live until I'm really able to do that properly. And I feel like I've put off so much in my life because I have told myself that I wasn't ready or not qualified. And guess what? I've decided that reign of terror is over and I am qualified to give advice. And so I'm going to give it. And not just about food, but about everything because we contain multitudes. And I would say that of everything we text about, you and I specifically, not that, again, you won't be on every episode. This is a very special episode with David Cho. But I would say that I don't really talk about food with anyone. Most of the advice I give and receive is unrelated to food. So that's what we are going to open this focus to, which I'm really excited about. Hey, listen, have the, have the irrational confidence of an AM 
radio yeah. host and or male podcaster. Exactly. And that's what we're channeling here today. So with that said, I think that we should get into our callers. Up first, we have Riley from Boise, Idaho. Hi, Allison. Hi, David. This is unreal. <laughs> Hi, it's unreal for us too. We hope that it doesn't look like we don't know what we're doing because we're, we're here to give advice, not you know lead you astray. But what, what can we help you with today? Yes. My question today is how do I find a hot, sexy man that isn't intimidated by my confidence? Oh, I mean... <laughs> Are you below 30? Yes, I'm 25. I only ask because I find that that makes it harder, mm-hmm. the age. Not to, not to be no, piling on to men, David, but I feel like they take a while to come to terms with like a powerful woman. Mm-hmm. I think as a man, I can concur. I think also it's yeah. like you're asking the right question where it's like, if you want a person who's not intimidated by you, that is what you should be looking for. You know what I mean? It's like there's so, like by by them being intimidated by you, they've already told you they're not the one for you. You know yeah, what I absolutely. mean? It's there. It's it. There's a there's a weakness to it that I think you are correct to identify as the thing you don't want. In my opinion. Yeah, and you're also not asking like how. I think a lot of women dumb themselves down. They shrink themselves. They become less ambitious. They want less because they're like, well, that's alienating whether it's professionally or seeking love interest. But I think that like, there's no man worth you wanting less for yourself. Yeah, I agree. Whether that's your own confidence or your ambition or whatever. Like I dated a lot of people in my youth. <laughs> not that I'm still not in my youth, but that were like, I sort of had to shrink myself to Did not you? threaten them. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Or yeah, or I was like, oh, this is what I am is not, like they're sort of not feeling safe with. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like not to be like, oh my, I was so powerful. They didn't feel safe. But like I ended up with a person who's like so into the person that I am and I didn't have to change a single thing. And that's exactly when I knew it was the right thing. Yeah. Okay. That's good. It's so cool that Riley is like even looking for that to me. It's like, I feel like yeah. I was so dumb when I was 25. Gen Z. Are you, is that Gen Z? 25? I think I'm like on the cusp of Gen Z. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just like not in the business of like taking what you can get, you know? Where, when you say you're looking for someone, like where do you typically do your looking? Well, like historically, I've done it in meeting people with activities that I enjoy. So whether it's like hobbies, like I play golf, I I like to run, um, some of those like group activities versus, I mean, like I've done some of the dating apps before, but I just don't feel like the, the people that are on those dating apps are actually legitimately serious in trying to like make connections versus like just hooking up or just going from person to person. doesn't matter who you are. It's like a body to a body. Mm. I mean, whatever kind of advice you have. So you're looking and you're like very clear in that. You're like, I'm looking for a partner. Yeah. Like someone to have a, like a connection with versus like, like I'm totally fine by myself. So I want to have somebody who adds something rather than just being there as like, I don't care the difference between you or the next person or the next person. Yeah. I. How honest are you on like, say your dating profile? I'd say pr- pretty honest, almost to like the, the fault of saying exactly what I'm looking for rather than like massaging the edges, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And are you open to like an interim sort of like, okay, this person is, we're, <laughs> what? I know where you're going I'm and not, I'm laughing. <laughs> what? I'm like, are you open to it being like, 
I'm going to see what's out there yes. and like not have any preconceived notions. Because I feel like that is the way things can often develop where like you meet someone and they're like, wow, well, I wasn't actually looking for the like this committed relationship, but how could I not want that yeah. with you? Yeah. And I'm like open to the vibes, right? Instead of yeah. like the, we have to be together or like before I even like you, we're supposed to like each other versus like mm-hmm. having those vibes and seeing yeah. that you, you know, work together well. Yeah. I think like being generous with your approach with other people to like allow them to figure that out in their time too, because Oh, you know, you'll reach a limit, right? Yeah. Where like, you're like, okay, it's been like five dates and it's a very clear that we're not on the same page. Like it's been fun, but you're not anywhere near to like the level of commitment. Yeah. Or you can meet someone and be like, wow, like when we first met, it seemed like you weren't into long-term commitment, but like, it's very clear we have something special. Mm-hmm. What you're looking for doesn't always match who you meet, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Also just like not looking for something so specific, but rather looking for a feeling that someone elicits in you. Yes. Like rather than looking for like a checklist of like they have to have X, Y, Z, A, B, C. It's like finding someone that just makes you feel empowered to be the person. Like I I keep going back to like the, the confidence of it, but it makes you feel empowered to be confident. Like yeah. I, I mm-hmm. when I met Allison's partner, I was I was very excited about how he clearly did that in such a great way. It was like very cool to see. And and I'd say my partner does the same thing for me and, and I love her for it. I would also say that I only found that for the first time at 37. <laughs> Okay, see, there's still time. There's so much time and like, it's going to become so clear. So it's not like, how do I meet that person? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do I quickly identify who is and isn't that person? Right. I mean, I don't regret anybody that I've dated. Like they're all part of the story. They're all part of the narrative. And I think that we have a tendency to like, think of a relationship not working out as like a failure or like the thing that didn't work out. But it's like, all of those things leads to the person that you inevitably end up meeting. They all teach you something about yourself, about relationships, about what you like, what you don't like, what you want, what you don't. And so let's maybe change the question to like, how do I meet that person? To like, how do you best prepare yourself to like be ready to receive that person? Yeah. And if you're looking for a more straightforward answer, I'll say that I met my husband on Instagram because I was posting hot pictures of myself. <laughs> Amazing. It's called, it's called a thirst trap. It's called a thirst trap. And guess what? The trap works. That's inspirational. The trap was set. She's a hunter, folks. <laughs> It works. Sorry. I mean, like they call him that for a reason. And I didn't like trap him. Like he was a willing participant in this relationship. But it's like, I was feeling myself. I was having the time of my life and it showed. Somebody is attracted to that. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that would be like, that's not for me. Or like, that doesn't look like the time of my life. I think like TLDR, be yourself is the worst advice, but I also think it's the best advice. And the right person is going to see who you are and be so attracted to that, whether or not they're looking for love. They're going to be like, I'm... I'm compelled. This is exactly what I want and how I want to spend my life too. I feel safe in saying that I speak for Allison when, when we're both very excited for your future healthy relationship because it's definitely going to happen for you. You have a ridiculously like good energy and vibes. Already. Also, Thank you. Yeah. The, the great hair. <laughs> great hair. Thank you. We can't you. see the hair when we're listening, but I'm telling you, I can see her hair and it looks beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, you guys. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. We hope that was helpful, yeah, was, even if a little bit. It was. It was. Thank you so much for having me on. I was excited to be here. Go forth and date. <laughs> Roger that. My favorite part about giving advice is that I feel I'm being more thoughtful in the way that I think about everything. I agree. And it's it's funny. It's like sometimes like, and you do this a lot too, or it's like the question you're asking has the answer in it. 
She's like, how do I find someone confident and strong? It's like, oh, that's the answer. But it's a good reminder to anybody. And I think like anyone listening to that is like, oh, I I hate when it's like a stupid, cheesy, like be yourself. But like, honestly, that's so the answer for most things. And just having somebody remind you that that can be the answer is extremely helpful. I think about that all the time. I'm also to your credit, you said you said be yourself and post thirst traps, which I think is a is a is a good action item. Be yourself and post your hottest angles, yes. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. I, I'm all about what's on the inside that counts, but I'm also about you're hot and let's let's show the world. <laughs> let's show the world. And up next, we have Christine from Pennsylvania. Hi, Allison. It's so good to be here today. Uh, we're very happy to have you. Thank you for being a guest on on this beautiful newborn baby podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what can we help you with today? Well, so I have a situation at work. I have a new boss, relatively new boss. My former boss retired and he's driving me crazy because he's micromanaging everything. And, you know, I just feel like I know my job. I do my job very well. I've been doing it for a long time before he got here. I'll probably be doing it for a long time after he leaves. So how do I deal with the micromanaging in the meantime? Okay. Without, you don't have to give us too many details, but like what type of work are you in? What line of work? Publishing. Okay. My first instinct is to say that this is not about you at all, which I'm sure you already know (laughs) in that like it has probably close to zero to do with you and your performance and almost everything to do. Is it a man? Yes. Yeah. Obviously. I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I didn't even we, have we to <laughs> I know, but just for clarity, I didn't want to assume. It probably has more to do with the fact that this person is trying to assert themselves and make themselves valuable and show their imprint on whatever it is that they're doing rather than like letting things be smooth and like shepherding in a new era of leadership, I feel like they have this tendency to be like, well, this is a new era and this is my impact. And they can sort of flex their influence even at like the total disruption of other people, the work that's actually happening and what anybody else wants. It's like, almost like you have to treat it like they're a baby and you have to be like, oh, you're so important. And not to give them like too much power because I don't like believe in total placation, but it is almost like I had a person that I worked with once where like I had to kind of make it seem like things were their idea. Otherwise they didn't like the idea. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easier just to give them the yes than trying to, you know what I mean? Just like instead of fighting them on it, it's like give them a few yeses so they feel like they're getting there. Because Roman's right. It's like they just want to feel like they're doing something or they're contributing most a lot of the time. And if you do that, then I think you can kind of hopefully like do the hard things that you know are hard and do them well the way you know how to do them. You get you just have to let these this person who clearly like wants to assert themselves assert themselves in a way that gives you the least discomfort. I don't know, Roma, what do you think about that? Yeah. Have you been talking to other coworkers about this? Yes. And do they feel the same way? He's not very popular. There there are a few departments that have even just stopped responding to his messages. <laughs> Okay. So you also don't like him as a person. <laughs> I don't feel like I know him well enough as a person to answer that. You seem like too nice of a person to say no, but... <laughs> <laughs> if I had to make a colleague to go out for drinks with, he would not be on the top of the list. So he's probably also feeding into that energy. He's like, I have this new job. No one likes me. 
but they will respect me, you know, that kind of energy. And it's like, woof, like not the vibe, bro. Like that's not how you get people to want to work hard for you, to want to like try new things, to want to like do something. Like it's not an inspiring leadership. Exactly. That said, like, I don't think there's anything that any of you can say. He should be calling into the show and being like, how can I be a better boss? That's my advice is to tell him to call into the show. Yeah, give him, give him our contact information and we'll have a conversation. <laughs> I think the, the other thing is, is like, if other departments aren't happy with him, my guess is other people will also help rectify this for you sooner rather than mm-hmm. later. You know what I mean? If the, if the output's like suffering and other people are having trouble working with him, then I think like you should sort of manage your mental and emotional well-being as best you can so that you're not getting too discouraged or you don't start hitting your job. But then like let it sort of play out because it seems like it's going to play out in a way. Yeah, I feel like he's going to not be around for that long. Like if no one is on board, like I, I think the advice would be a lot different. If you're like, everyone really loves him. I just can't get behind it. Then I'm like, oh, then maybe it's time for you to like, you know, seek a different version of what you're doing now with a different group of people. Like maybe you've outgrown spiritually the work culture that is, you know, thing. But it doesn't seem like that's the issue. The issue seems like this is an ill fit. And in my experience in publishing is that more often than not, the person they put in charge is not necessarily the right person for the job. Mm -hmm. And that becomes very clear and that person doesn't last very long. It feels like the biggest advice is like, pushing back for this kind of person seems like it might not be worth it. So how can you sort of create a space for yourself that's as good as possible? And then just make sure that like, you know, you're taking care of yourself. You can't let this person's negative energy and negativity bring you down at all. Another good cheat code is sort of like having him be heard and then just taking stuff off his plate. So make it very clear. It's like, oh, let me just do this for you. Like if, oh, I, I hear you. And then I can do this for you. So you're making his life easier, but he also feels like he's having an impact, which my guess is like, he just really wants to be like a boss or felt or heard, you know, the way many of us do. But also if you give him convenience, more often than not, he'll take the convenience. You know what I mean? Like people don't want to be doing more work. So if there's a way for you to make it where it's like, you're doing it your way. And by doing it your way, you're taking things off his plate. It's a good way to make kind of like both of you to get what you want to a certain extent. Yeah. I also like have always taken the the path of like when I feel this way, which I worked for one guy once many years ago who he came in as like new boss. And I had been there way longer than him. He was coming into my kitchen. He was my new boss. It was like wanting to do everything differently. Like, why are we storing this like this? Why do we keep the fruit like this? Everything's got to change. And it was such like a, a flex for him to be like, this is my new era. Right. In a way. And I resisted it for so long. And as soon as I was like, I'm going to be so good at my job that he can't say shit. <laughs> and as soon as that clicked, I was also, I didn't realize I was also giving him what he wanted, but he was giving me what I wanted, which was he started to leave me alone more mm-hmm. and trust me more. And it was like very contentious for a while. I don't think that that's the vibe with you and, and this person. I was like, oh, I'm going to, out of spite almost, do a 20 times better job. But it also made me better at my job and whatever. But I was like, how dare you come into my kitchen? You know, and I was like, oh, I'm going to make sure that everything is done before you even ask me. You know, I don't know. I I sort of approached it that way, which I was much younger and not as mature. It it, did work for the time. Christina, it does sound like you have a good handle on it. Like it feels like you've got this. Well, and it was good. We had our annual reviews done in that 
period of overlap. So he could see that my former boss who wrote our reviews, and she's the one who had all of that knowledge of what we did last year, you know, wrote a very good review and I got the highest possible raise that I could get. So, Oh, wow. Congratulations. Amazing. I hope you feel good about that. I I mean, I feel good on your behalf. Oh, oh, I do. I think it's also human nature to feel like shit when somebody doesn't respect the work that you do or Mm -hmm. see the effort that you put in and you're like, am I good at my job? Like, there's a lot of self-doubt that goes into that. And you're like, I'm working really hard here and I know that I'm good at it. Why is this person not validating me? Why is this person treating me as if I'm not doing my best and doing it well. And that is human nature. And I think it's okay to feel those feelings. I think it's also okay to be like, this isn't about me. This is about him and his trip and his ego and his whatever. And like kind of come back to your inner peace of being like, that's not about me or my work. Very true. Preserve your healthy self-image and your sanity and your and your clearly very good energy. That's priority number one. And and hopefully he'll he'll learn from that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Honestly, it's always a man. Like it really just like without fail. It's like she didn't have to tell us. It's like always a man. That should always be our first follow-up question. (laughs) It's like, is this about a man or is this person a man? Like we're playing guess who? Is it a man? But I I, I do genuinely. She's so nice. I, I hope we could help. That situation is so universal and we do know it. So like, it's like, yeah, we've all had to deal with that person where they just like want to assert some version of themselves into what we're doing. It's too much. I also think that it can be helpful again to just hear like, it's not about you. Yeah. And not like in a, you're making it about you way, but in a, this is nothing to do with you or your performance or the way that you move through the world. This is everything to do with this other person. And that is one thing that you cannot control. No, but it's like when you see something from a third person objective perspective, you can be so much more clear headed and give you like, be like, practically, here's what you need to do. Because when you're in it, all yeah. you get you're caught like, oh, up well, in the emotions. I'm emo- not going to do that, but yeah, you're caught up in the yeah. emotions and the, and the whatever of everything. And I, I, I really do think it's like, I think you're going to learn a lot doing this podcast. <laughs> I think we're all going to learn. Yeah. You're going to get lots of great questions and it's going to force you to think about like, the, the same way, it's like you're going to give better advice to your friends and and our new friends, the callers, than you would just if you're like thinking about how you should live your life. And so I'm excited for the rest of the, the shows. For the emotional journey that I'm about to embark on, you'll be there every step of the way. Hey, bon voyage. Okay, now it's time for Chef's Kiss. What is Chef's Kiss, you ask? Chef's Kiss is the portion of the podcast that was sort of born from a newsletter column that I did, which was sort of more rapid fire, quick, short, sweet questions that I can answer multiple of in quick succession. And sort of the whole impetus for this podcast in general was that if somebody has a question, other people will also have that question. So I think it is us doing a better service to answer them in a broader scope like this. So let's have them. Hey, hey, let's be, let's be servicey. Hi, my name is Batya and I'm calling from Brooklyn. I have a question about caring for a cast iron skillet. I inherited one that was used by a friend for five or 10 years, but has some bits stuck to the sides that sometimes flake off. Do I need to strip and reseason the whole thing? How do I prevent the buildup from getting worse without using soap? Thanks. Hmm. Well, cast iron myths and lores and legends is a really debated topic on the internet. And Maybe this will surprise you. Maybe it won't. I guess it depends on how well you know me, parasocially or otherwise. But I kind of treat my cast iron skillet 
like trash. I, I sort of neglect it. And I do think that's okay. Like I am not so precious about it. I don't like tuck it into bed every night after I use it. I don't like give it a special sealer oil treatment. I'm not like whispering to it every time I like put it away for the week. Like I use it, I wipe it out and and I use it the next day or I use it two days from then. I think that the important part with cast iron is if you are say searing meat or cooking bacon or doing something where little crusty meat bits are forming, it is really nice to scrape them out. And I use simple kosher salt. I sprinkle the bottom of the skillet with kosher salt. And then I take a paper towel and I sort of gently, you can't see me, but I'm, I'm gently making a rubbing motion. I sort of just like use the salt as a natural abrasive, which is not going to scratch the surface or like puncture the sealer of your cast iron if you do it well. And if you're concerned after that, if it's been an especially rough sear or especially intense crusty bits, I will then sort of give it a quick rinse out with water, dry it out, and then I'll put it back over heat with a touch of oil and let it just rip for like five minutes over super, super high heat. Don't do this when there are small children or pets in the area. But I think that to me, that's like the gentle, natural, abrasive kosher salt with a paper towel is almost always good enough. And if that doesn't feel like it's doing it, then adding a little bit of water to kind of scrape up those bits is fine. Just like make sure that you dry it properly and then you can add a little bit of oil to seal it up a bit afterwards. Cast iron conversations are also like one of those things that I feel like are really dominated by like, sorry to gender it, but men who really like love to tell you what to do. It's like, that's not how you care for a cast iron. It's like, well, then get your own podcast. Move, keep it moving. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, the next question is Mia. Hi, Allison. Uh, this is Mia Michaelbus calling from Seattle, Washington. Okay. So my partner's birthday is coming up and I'm trying to figure out what kind of cake to make him. Um, the other day I made your chocolate cake and he loved it. He made a comment that it tasted like a Costco chocolate muffin, which ironically is exactly how you described it. Um, he must have been thinking about this because when I asked him what kind of cake he wanted, he said, I want a cake that tastes like a Costco blueberry muffin. This sounds amazing, but I don't know where to start. And I feel like you will have strong opinions on this topic, hoping that you can help. Um, also, just wanted to tell you that I have never owned a cookbook I've actually cooked from until I bought your books and that you're just playing the hits and I'm standing front row. So thank you. Bye. Mia, did you know that I wrote a recipe that is a muffin top, basically? It's not a cake though. It's so it's shallow. And I, I guess this is more the muffin, you know, as mentioned, the muffin top, not necessarily the bottom of the muffin. But I would say a birthday cake that tastes like a Costco blueberry muffin, the cinnamon almond blueberry cake in Dining In, um, shout out to my firstborn, is really, really good and does taste like a muffin to me. But it is definitely more like almondy. It's baked in a shallow tart pan, although you could use a nine inch cake pan and you could make two or three of those and stack them and layer them. But if they were content with just that cake, you could just put candles in that. You could even top it with like a simple salty vanilla frosting recipe and sweet enough. Not to plug my own recipes, but I mean, I'm always going to plug my own recipes. I'm, I am will literally never plug anyone else's recipe. There's so many. I kind of think that's what this is for. There's so many to plug. <laughs> I think this is a space for you to plug your own recipe. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's like your boyfriend might love a Costco blueberry muffin, but I think this almondy muffin might also like... He's giving you a signal of what he likes. Let's yeah. push him. But you know what? Also, to contradict what I just said, and, and this is, I mean, not really, because it's not a recipe. It's not a recipe. But I do think it's funny 
to get a Costco blueberry muffin and put a candle in it. I'm saying sometimes nothing can replace the thing. Sometimes only that thing will do. And I respect that. Um, blah, 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 blah. Okay. The last question is... Hi, Allison. This is Connor from Boston. What's the best way to store herbs so they last? Clean and trim them with a wet paper towel in the airtight container. Am I wasting too much paper, towel, any other practices for, for herb storage? Thank you. And look forward to hearing more. I asked you this because I bought those herbs or I bought that shiso that day. And I was like, how do I get it back to the city without it going or just getting completely fucked? Right. You were like, how, how do I go from fresh, vibrant, perky herb at farmer's market to four-hour car ride and traffic I back to I didn't the city? Wanna, I didn't want to buy an herb that looks so happy and beautiful and like it was just birthed to the world and then bring it home and have it be like so sad and like downtrodden. And be like, I've murdered you. Yeah, I took yeah. you from a version of your former self. Yeah, I get it. I, I don't want to ruin anyone. <laughs> no, no, same. I think that it depends. So I guess... <laughs> We're going to answer Connor's question, not yours, because yeah, yeah, car course. transport is different. But I guess both are similar in that I would take moistened paper towels, so not wet, not soaking wet, but like paper towels that have been wet, and then you wring them out so they're damp. You scatter your herbs in an even layer. I always remove any rubber bands, um, with the exception of shiso, because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, free the leaves. You The rubber band kind of keeps things tight, which gives you that like slimy sort of like dark green, like grossness. And when you are able to let the herbs breathe a bit, there's like less of a chance of that swampy sort of herb stem thing happening. Depending on the season and and the room and the how hot it is or how not hot it is, for a lot of herbs, and especially if you're going to use them frequently and in abundance, which I do, things like parsley, cilantro, and dill and chives, I will trim the stems just like fresh cut flowers and put them in a like ball jar or something, glass of water. How long is that good for? The, the ball last, jars? Honestly, they'll last like three to five days on your counter. And then the fridge baggy thing will go for what? Also like five to eight days. And, and it also like really what people don't tell you is that the freshness of your herbs and how long they last in your home is really dependent on how fresh they are when you buy them. Like herbs and salad and vegetables from the farmer's market will always last longer than anything you get from a grocery store because they are picked sooner. They're younger in the world. They're free from, you know, a vegetable or an herb doesn't go bad in the ground, right? So like as soon as it's severed from its root system and like that, it starts dying. Like the second it's, it's Who among harvested. Us? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, it just, it is what it is. So- I think that like that inherently makes the farmer's market shop worth it, but that's not really what they asked. They didn't ask about that. They asked how to store fresh herbs. Connor, so, just get a damp towel, put it in a bag. Yeah, or loosely packed and put it in a ball jar full of water. Hey, good luck with that, Connor. I think you're going to do great. Hey, Connor, best of luck. Okay, so we may or may not have helped Connor. I think we did and did help David with his shiso. Even that, that was sort of a question that he asked a while ago. But anyway, I am so thrilled that you were part of this. Thank you so much for doing this little projet with me. My pleasure. You I know, know. Any, any know. extra time we can get to talk, I love it. I know. It's true. Well, also like we, I feel like when we talk, we're like, 
talking work or biz. And this felt really light and breezy. And, you know, it reminds me, David, I'd love to reconnect as well. Yeah, I, we, honestly, we should, we should friend talk more. I felt that for a while. Me too. I had a, I woke up and I, it was the first thing that I said to Max. And then you actually texted me something similar. And I was like, did Max tell you that? No, him anyway. and I did not talk about that. We only talked about <laughs> Chipotle. <laughs> Uh, Jen's going to kill us if we don't wrap it up. Okay. David Cho, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It hey, was congrats to you on solicited oh. advice. <laughs> thank you. I hope everybody's liking and subscribing. And anything else that's happening. Thank you. Yeah, nothing No, nothing else. It's been a really busy fall. I am Virgoing so hard. I'm like, do more. You know, yeah, yeah. the Virgo in me is like, it's your time, baby. I feel like you should do more, honestly. It's like store, wedding, uh, Podcast, podcast. Um, continuously making YouTube videos. Also, With home movies. Yeah. Also, Thanksgiving. It's just you're not doing enough, Roman. Just do more. I'm trying. I'm trying to do the most. I'm making a Virgo inner self proud. And all of you. Okay. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Not you, David, but yeah. you, the listener. I'll be listening next week. I hope so. This episode is brought to you by Makers Mark. Solicited Advice is hosted by me, Allison Roman. Our podcast is produced by Jennifer Sullivan with the help of Elena Rodriguez-Via. Technical production and editing is handled by Red Rock Music and our theme music was created by Yosef Monroe. You can watch a video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel. And for questions, sponsorship inquiries, or anything else, please visit us at allisoneroman.com slash podcast. <laughs> <laughs>